Everybody doing good today? Man, it's a beautiful, beautiful weekend. And uh, hopefully you guys are doing well. The, uh, you know, welcome to our folks on the uh, line. We're so glad you guys are joining us. Uh, I was thinking about that last song. You know, uh, that last song says, uh, we call out to Jesus, right? Uh, we call out to Him. And uh, some are calling out for healing. Some are calling out for help. Some are calling out for hope. You know, and uh, so we call out to Jesus. But I want to tell you, um, uh, there's something that we're going to cover today that Jesus is calling you. I mean, he's calling your name. He's calling you out. And uh, he, wants, uh, he wants to use you, and he wants to work through you, and he wants to do incredible things in your life. All of us are shaped for ministry. We kind of walk through an acrostic, and we'll, we'll kind of hit that a little bit right here, but it talks about spiritual gifts. Um, our spiritual gifts are what we receive as a gift or a, an endowment, if you will, uh, that whenever we put our faith in Christ. So only a believer has spiritual gifts. I mean, we have to have the Spirit of the living God living in us and living through us in order to have spiritual gifts. Uh, Laurie uh, shared an article with me I thought was pretty cool that was talking about um, a statue that was over in uh, Europe. And Laurie and I uh, had an opportunity to go to Rome for a few days before we went to Israel. And one of the things that blew us away was all the art. There's so much art over there. And uh, there's so, so, so much historical stuff and ancient stuff. I mean, like ancient ruins are laying everywhere. You're walking down the road and you're like, dude, there's, there's ancient ruins right there. It's just like it's laying around, you know. And um, it's all over the place over there. So there's all this art, but there's incredible sculptures over there. And uh, there was a sculpture in uh, this city or this, little, this town in Europe during World War II. And anyway, because of the war, and if you've ever seen World War II, you go, how do those, how do those towns ever even rebuilt? Because they're decimated. But the statue of Jesus was in the middle of the town. And anyway, it had gotten destroyed. And anyway, uh, the people took the pieces and they were literally trying to put it back together. And they could not find the hands from that, the, that statue of Jesus. And they were like, you know, it's got to be, it's got to have the hands because you want to show the nail scars in his hands. And someone put an inscription at the bottom of that, that statue that said, you are his hands. You know, that we become the hands of Christ. You know, that we become the ones that, that minister to people's needs. And so what a, what a powerful picture of that. But your spiritual gifts, you become the hands of Christ. You begin to minister in his name. And then we talked about heart. What do we love to do? What, you know, and God has given us things that we're passionate about, we, we love doing. And this past week in our life group, we went around and we just kind of t- uh, mentioned, you know, hey, what do, we, what do we love doing? And it was so many great things that were shared in there. You know, people love serving. People love organizing. People love hospitality. People love different types of ministry. And, and uh, they, they love just caring for people and ministering to people. And so those, those spiritual gifts in our heart, what we love to do, and then our abilities, what are we born with? Just a natural ability. You know, some of you were born with just natural abilities. Some of y'all were born natural leaders, or maybe you had, you know, uh, natural abilities to do things, and God has used those things to shape who you are. And then the other one was personality. You know, introverts, extroverts, uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, look at introverts as being a negative thing. A lot of people think that Jesus was an introvert, you know, because he pulled away often to recharge, to refuel, and to meet with the Father because he was being, he was pouring out all the time. And one of the things we have to understand is, you know, our personality has a lot to do with how long we can last in certain things and, and what, and where we thrive, if you will, where we're at our best, if you will, our wheelhouse. And so we want to function in those areas where, man, whenever we're giving, we're able to give our very best. And then there may be times we have to pull aside and refresh or renew. And, and you got to be able to say, God, I want, I want to be at my best for you. Everything I do, I want to do it as 
as unto you, is what Scripture teaches us, right? To our personality. And so you got to figure out, hey, where does my personality best fit? And you, can't, you don't have to try to be somebody that you're not. What you got to be is who you are. You know, and, uh, and I, I said this last week, you know, I, I just have to be Mike Mazingle. That's who God has created me to be. And my personality, I have to work within. I don't need to try to be like somebody else. I can learn from them, but I don't have to be like them. I have to be who God has uniquely created me to be. And then our last one there was experiences. And it's, it's those things that we have gone through. And uh, some of those things are good experiences. We share the good experiences. I mean, like we had a, a team that went to Israel, and, you know, we have talked about our experience over there. It, when I meet people, they, how was your trip? How was Israel? And uh, we talk about the experience that we had. And, you know, one of the cool things about being over there was uh, when we read in Scripture, you know, you're going, hey, th- this is where this took place. Like one of the coolest places is we were in Capernaum where Jesus lived for a season. And, and Jesus literally, he called the disciples on that shore. We're standing on that shore. And like the water is right there. There's the Sea of Galilee. We're standing on it. So you know what? It was probably somewhere like right here where Jesus would have called Peter and them uh, to be his disciples. We were out on the Sea of Galilee in a boat. And we had a really powerful moment out there on the boat. And we're going, this is where Jesus calmed the storm. This is where he walked on water. I mean, you're going, like, that's what happened there, the experience. You know, and you're experiencing that. In real time, I mean, you're there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're looking up. That's the that's the hillside where he taught the mount, uh, the beatitudes. You go. That's where that that most likely took place. And and it's all those things you're experiencing. And so what we do is we we share our experiences about what we have done in life. And we talk about some of that's ministry experience, some of that's work experience, and some of that is painful experiences. I mean, some of you guys have been through some hurt. You've lost someone. You've hurt, you've been hurt in some way. You've lost a marriage. Uh, you've lost a family member. You've lost a child. And, and, and that hurts. You've lost your job, you know, whatever it might be, you've lost some things. And so those painful things, and I don't know about you guys, but I learn more, it seems like, when I go through the uncomfortable times or the painful times than I do the other times. You know, because it's, it's like my senses are on high alert, and I'm, I'm, I'm in learn mode. You know, I'm in, I'm in teach me mode. Like, what have I, how have I messed up? What have I done? You know, and so, well, so when I'm in those painful modes, a lot of times that's when I'm learning the most. And what God is telling you is, hey, listen, I'm going to use you to teach the most through those things as well. And so we've got to be able to say, God, you know, thank you for shaping me for ministry, shaping me for the ministry you want me to be a part of. And it's all different. I mean, like in a, a, a puzzle thing, there's all different types of shapes, right? And so when you look around the room, we don't need everybody to be carbon copies of each other. Now, here's the only thing you're supposed to be like, and that's Jesus, right? The more that you're like Jesus, it's going to show up. And so we've got to be willing to do it. So God has shaped us for ministry. But we also have a calling on our life uh, as followers of Jesus. Now, many of you guys think about calling and say, all right, well, Mike, you know, is a pastor. He feels called to the ministry. You know, we've got some great pastors here on staff that have, feel, have, have re- uh, responded to the call, if you will, to be a full-time uh, pastor or, or full-time Christian vocation, if you will. There are other people that respond to the call to be a missionary, right? And we'll say, hey, man, they, they feel called to Africa. They feel called to Asia. They feel called to wherever. And we'll go, all right, so God has called them to that. And what he's done is he has tapped on their heart. He said, hey, I'm calling you to do something. I've got a task for you. And I want you to be a part of that. But here's what I would say to all of you in this room and everybody that's watching online. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, there is a calling on your life. There's a calling to be about the Great Commission. There is a calling to use your spiritual gifts. And so when we read in Ephesians chapter 4 here today, Paul is writing to the church there at Ephesus. And he said, listen, there is a calling on your life. So don't, don't you know, write yourself off and say, well, you know, I don't feel called to the ministry. Yes, you do. You may, not, you may not respond to it, but I promise you there is a call on your life to ministry. Every, every believer, 
We're called to minister to be the hands and the feet of Christ. We're all called to that. And so let's look at what this looks like. So in Ephesians uh, 4, 1, Paul is right. He says, therefore, I, 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 a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. He's writing that to the church. And he said, hey, listen, you have been called by God to minister, to be the hands and to be the feet of Christ, to be Jesus with skin on as you go through life. To literally be on mission. So we as, as, as a believer, it's not just as a, as a church or as a pastor, but I'm saying all of us should be living on mission and lining up with what Scripture says. So there's a calling on our life. So we're called, what are we called to? And, and a lot of you are sitting there going like, man, I don't, man, Mike, I don't know about this. You know, but you, you're already beginning to kind of, kind of back up, put your hands up and say, hey, I don't really feel called to do ministry, but let's kind of unpack this passage today and see what it says. I love what he says here. He starts out, he says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Love is going to show up a lot through this. This morning as we were praying uh, with our, our prayer team back there, you know, we were praying for our church to be filled with love today. We prayed for the Spirit of God to fill this place. And even those that are watching online would sense that it is not just people with smiling faces, and not people that are just being friendly, but it's people that are filled with the love of God, that it's supernatural love that you guys are experiencing. So when you walk through the doors, it's not like, hey, man, these are friendly people, but you go, man, these people love me. They love God. They love this community. They, they want to make a difference. And so we have prayed already today that the love of God would fill this room, and literally those that are online would feel and sense the, the love of God, Right? Uh, and so we've got we've to be able to say, God, we want this love to be evident to all. So make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. In other words, that we're to be united because the enemy loves to cause division, right? Factions in churches, divisions in churches, divisions in friendships, divisions in what you believe and stuff. And so here's the thing. The enemy is always trying to cause us to be separated, to cause, hey, let's get a rift going. In a marriage, what does he do? He wants there to be a separation, in a family, what does he want? He wants there to be a separation. He wants there to be some kind of riff or, or tear or something to the fabric of your relationship that it causes you to become, you know, polarized. What's he doing to our nation? I mean, you look at our nation, man. It says, hey, let me, let, me, let me get them polarized to where they're fighting against it. There's not this united feeling in the nation. United States of America. Think about just the name of our country. Supposed to be united. Man, there's not a whole lot of, of uh, unity right now. It's all about division. And the media and the enemy loves to stir it all they can. But what, what Scripture teaches us is that we should be working towards unity. Man, resolving things, working things out, you know. And so, and there, therefore we have peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's, there's one body, one, one church, to be honest with you. You know, Journey Church is a local expression of the body of Christ, but all over the globe today, all over the world today, the church, the body of Christ is meeting together and the gospel is being proclaimed, the gospel is being preached. There will be thousands of people that will put their faith in Christ today for salvation all across the globe because the church is unified. There are places where it's not, and there are, there are places where churches are dying. Now, I don't know if y'all realize this, but at one point, there are like 5,000 churches close their doors every year in America. 5,000, for the last time, they close the doors, say, man, we just can't do it anymore, or hey, nobody's coming anymore. And why is that? Because the church is designed to grow. It's created to grow. You know, it's, 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 been, it's been empowered by the, by the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's, Jesus, it's Jesus' bride. 
Man, the bride of Christ does not die, right? So what happens? We lose focus. And we kind of, here's the thing, we walk away from this calling. It says, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. We need to understand that, that, you know, that God is, man, he's the one at work in this. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. What is that? That's our spiritual gifts, right? He's given every one of us a gift to be able to do the things that help build up the body of Christ, that help the church to flourish. Not just this one, but all across the nation, all across the world. And so here's the thing, cool, whenever we give, we support churches all over the globe. Man, and we get to invest in people that are on the front lines, literally taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what, that's what we're supposed to be about with the Great Commission. So that, so that is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his what? His people. So every believer, every, every follower of Christ has been given a spiritual gift. It says, notice that he says the, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. Jesus left heaven. Everything that we would dream of, he left that to come here to reach you and to reach me. And to not only reach us, but to empower us. That we might take the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. That we might be not about ourselves, but we would be about the kingdom of God. And we would be about loving people and forgiving people and reaching people with this great news. So that's what we're supposed to be about as a church. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. That's beautiful. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And, and so these are the ones that are given to the church to help build up the church, to equip the church, to prepare the church for the work that God wants to do in and through you. Says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And so our responsibility as pastors is to what? Is to equip God's people, to equip the people that are watching online, all of God's people, the believers, to do the work of ministry. So it's, we don't have about five or six guys that are going out and trying to do it all. We have hundreds of people that walk out of these doors every week going, hey, I am called to ministry. I am called to serve my community. I am called to make a difference for the, for, the, for the cause of Christ, no matter where I go, whether it's to work, whether it's to school, no matter where I go, I'm to be a light, I'm to be a, a, a word of truth, literally should be living out my life in front of people. That is, I should be living according to the word of God. And so I should be living out that word of truth. It says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature, that we'll grow up. We'll kind of get past some things. In the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, we become more and more like Christ. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Let me tell you, this is what the church needs to hear right here. And this is what we need to apply. Because too often, man, any kind of teaching comes out and we go, you know, well, maybe that's true. No, if you know the word of God, you know it's not true. You know, we need to know the word of God. We need to know what God's word says. It says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Let me tell you, we pay a lot of money every month to have that kind of stuff sent into our, 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 our ears and our mind and our eyes. We, we literally watch all kinds of garbage and we go, well, maybe that's true. Well, maybe they're right. But we, don't, we, we really should be, you know, spending that same amount of time in the Word of God. And maybe we, what, if we, what if we took the money we spent just on, you know, all the social stuff, all the social media, all the, you know, TV, everything. What if we spent that money on buying Bibles and putting them in people's hands? That might change the world, right? You know, what if we did that? But we don't want to give that stuff up. We, we want to hang on to that. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body of the church. So we are to conform to the image of Christ. 
And so we ought to be able to look at somebody that, you know, maybe they've been a believer for 10 years ago. Man, they're more and more like Christ every time you get around them. And I love, like this past week, we were in staff meeting, and we were talking about people that are in the church that would go, man, that is a story of life change. He's not the same guy. He's not like he used to be. She is a story of life change. She's not the same person anymore. And I love when people testify and they tell people about what God has done in their life. And, and here's the thing, we get to look at their life and we go, man, they're not the same. I mean, they are completely different. And, and you know, I, I shared with somebody yesterday, and they didn't believe me. I said, I can remember whenever, you know, on Facebook, when I first got on there, this girl messaged me and she said, are you a pastor? And I said, I am. And she goes, when I think about you, I think about the passage, with God, all things are possible. And I'm sitting there going, are, is that an eye poke? Or are you saying what, you know? And I'm thinking, I don't remember being that bad. But for her, she's going like, dude, if he can get saved, anybody can get saved. And if he can be a pastor, anybody can be a pastor is pretty much what she was saying. And, and I'm, but I'm just saying that what God, that there ought to be enough change in someone's life that they go, you know, they're not the same anymore. They don't just have a little religion. They don't, have, they don't just busy themselves on Sunday by sitting in a chair. But they have been transformed by the power of God and the Spirit of God. And here's the thing. They are a light wherever they go. And people look at them and go, man, they're not the same anymore. They're not the same person. They're more like Jesus. That's the way it should be. So he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. I love this. Perfect fit, right? So what, is, what does God say here? He says he makes the whole, Paul says he, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. So the body of Christ is designed by the God of the universe. And if you're ever wondering about your shape and maybe you don't like your shape, God has created you. He spoke you into existence in your mother's womb, Psalms 139, right? He knit you together. He made you just the way you are. He shaped you throughout your life with all your experiences and all your pain. And he has shaped you just the way that you are. And here's the thing. He said, hey, listen, I've got, I've got a special gift for you. And here's, it, it fits perfectly in the body of Christ. You've just got to use what I'm calling you to use it for. And so we've got to be willing to do that. So as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of what? Love. So the church is designed to grow. The church is designed to be literally a, a full of love and a vessel of God's love, showing it to the world. So we are called to be humble and gentle. This is something we don't always like, right? Uh, we, we, it, it may be, anybody here struggle with pride? Go ahead and raise your hand. <laughs> you know, we all do. We all struggle with pride, right? You might say, well, Mike, I'm really humble. It's my best quality. That ought to answer your question right there, right? You know, so here's the thing is we, we've got to be able to say, God, I, I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to be arrogant. I want to be humble. I want to be a servant. That's what Jesus was. It talked about he was, he was meek. That's power, you know, under control. He was humble. He, he was a servant. He washed the disciples' feet. He fed people, right? And, and so we look at that and we go, man, we're called to be humble and gentle. That's what we see in Christ. That, that's what we see in his, in his character and, and just in his life. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. All right, so here's the thing. If you look around, look to your left and to your right for a second. They've got faults. They're not perfect. Y'all can look up here. I've got faults. I'm not perfect, right? We've all messed up. And if you, got a, if you got a mirror, some of you guys, I hope you don't have a mirror on you, but if you got ladies, y'all can pull one out, y'all can pass it around. You can say, man, that person's got faults. We've all messed up. We've all blown it. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. And so we have to understand that, you know, we need to, have a, we need to show allowance for each other's faults. A lot of times the things that we dislike about people are the things we really dislike about ourselves. And so what we do is we superimpose or we apply those things to people in our life 
that we don't like that about them. But here's the thing. It's what we wrestle with. And, and so we've got to be able to say, God, I, I want to I die to some of this stuff. And here's for every believer in the room, the power of the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to walk away from that, to crucify the flesh daily and, and walk in the Spirit. So we're, we're not only called to, to be humble, but we're called to unity. And this is something that you know, breaks my heart, and I know it breaks the heart of God that there's often so much um, division in the church whenever it should be a place of unity. It should be a place where we encourage one another, we build each other up, we, you know, we rebuke when we have to rebuke, we call people out when we have to call them out, but hey, you know, it's done in love. And so he says, I'm praying not only for those disciples, but also, uh, this is out of John chapter 17, and I love this. So John chapter 17 is Jesus' prayer. You know, we often talk about the, the Lord's Prayer. That's a model prayer. This is Jesus' prayer. So this is Jesus praying. So look at this. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Who is that? That's us, right? That's, that's all of us. So Jesus is praying for us right here. So if you want to be part of answering the prayer of Christ, then we need to be one. He says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And, me, and may they be in, in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Now, here's the thing. Th- that's, that, that's powerful right there, that last statement. He said, let, let, let them be one so that the world will believe that the Father sent Jesus. So if you wonder why the world doesn't believe in Christ, maybe it's because we don't have this unity and we don't have this love that the church should have because the people look at us and they go, they fuss and they fight. They can't get along. They don't even like each other. Why would we believe that God has really sent his son Jesus and he's really changed them any at all? So part of our witness to say hey, then, that the God the Father sent his son Jesus into this world is how unified we are how on the same page we are, how much we love one another, how we care for one another. And so we've got to know, hey, we're part of that. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. This is Jesus praying, right? It's Jesus praying to the Father. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Man, I love that. But we're all called, also called to maturity. So we're called to humility. We're called to unity. We're to be, we're to be one, unified. Uh, you know, in our, in our homes, there, there needs to be unity. In our marriages, there needs to be one. We're, the two shall become one. There needs to be unity, right? And, and so here we're called to maturity. Now, I don't know about you guys, but most of us want our kids to grow up and go out in life and flourish, right? You, you should. If not, you're dysfunctional. You're probably codependent. We need to get you some, th- some therapy, some counseling, or something like that. You know, my mom used to always say, I just want y'all to build a room on the house. That's jacked up, I'm just telling y'all. You know, it's, you know, the Waltons, you know, you thought the Waltons was this cool thing. It might have been some issues there. Maybe it was just because they were in the Depression. They couldn't afford to do anything else. But you should, your kids should leave. Hopefully, they will leave and they will flourish. That's the way it's supposed to work. I don't know if y'all know that. Now, I know there, like I said, there's a lot of codependency out there to where, you know, you need them to feel complete. That's just messed up. I'm just telling you, what you've got to do is say, you know what, God, you gave them to me and you want me to launch them into life. And, and that is our job. And so hopefully we do that. So we're called to mature. So here's the thing, well, hopefully our kids will, they will be born, they'll grow up, they'll mature. And then one day they'll be able to leave and live on their own and be, you know, they'll be mature. They'll, they'll be responsible. They'll take care of their own selves. And then they'll have kids and they'll repeat that process in a healthy way, right? But too often what we do is we carry baggage on generation after generation after generation. But we all should 
grow up and become mature. So this is also important spiritually. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, and evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. I want to hit this one more time. Their responsibility is to equip, people, equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church and the body of Christ. So let's jump down here. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be what? Mature in the Lord. And I hear it so often, people will, you know, Mike, I just don't know what you know. Well, you can study and you can read just like I do, right? You can spend time in God's Word just like I do. And a lot of you probably know a whole lot more than I do. The question is, a lot of times, and I would say this, it's not always how much you know, it's how much you apply. You can, you can know a lot of the Scriptures. The Pharisees knew the Scriptures. They knew them backwards and forwards. There's a lot of professors that they spend their, their day teaching everything they can and trying to get as many people to believe that there is not a God and they may know more of scripture than you do but their heart has not been changed and they do not have the the spirit of the living God living within them they have not been given the Holy Spirit and they're not sealed with the Holy Spirit but they're trying to figure out how to convince you that there is not a Holy Spirit and there is not a God and they know that by they know they know the word of God so maturity is not necessarily about knowing the word of God it's about living out the word of God it's about applying the word of God and so many of us in this room, if we would just live up to what we already know, it would begin to show that we are becoming more and more mature. And so it's mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We become more and more like Jesus. We trust the Father. You know, we, we tithe. I, I was thinking about, we were, we were on the Sea of Galilee, and I don't know if y'all remember, but, you know, Jesus told Peter to go catch a fish, and when he caught that fish, and they opened it up, there's a coin in that fish's mouth, and that's how they p- paid their taxes or whatever. And, and so Jesus would teach about tithing and paying taxes and doing that. He took care of it, right? But he trusted the Father. You might say, well, why didn't Jesus say, hey, listen, here's, here's, here's the tax money, go cover it or whatever. But he wanted to say, hey, you know what? The Father will provide. And we've got to be willing to say, God, I trust you to provide. God, I trust you to meet my needs. I trust you to, to bring it all to fruition. It says, then when we no longer meet, be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. You know, so here's the thing is a lot of times we put our faith in Christ. We pray to receive Christ. We go, I'm saved. But we don't ever really begin to grow a whole lot. We say, man, it's childlike faith. And I agree it is childlike faith, but that child should mature and should grow. That's what Scripture is saying. That's what Paul is writing here. And so many of us in this room, we're okay with that childlike faith. I'm saying, man, I just, I love Jesus and he loves me and he lives in me. I get that, but you should be growing up and maturing. And here's the thing, you know, you, you get to a point where you want to help others. And if you haven't grown up, you can't, you can't show them how to walk that walk, right? It's kind of like our children, you know, we teach them how to, anybody, you know, like my son just turned thir- uh, 28 yesterday, September 30th was Hunter's birthday. And I remember his first birthday cake. Y'all remember those? You, they just tear it up. It's all over them. I've got a, I was watching a video this morning of him with that cake all over him. And, and so the thing is, is we teach our kids. Now here's the thing. He can't do that every meal, right? For the rest of his life. It wouldn't go well with where he works. You know, they'd be like, man, this guy's, uh, he's, he's a, he's a, crazy guy he's a caveman you know but what we do is we would teach him how to use a fork and a knife and we teach him how to you know have manners and how to eat properly and how to hold stuff and so that's what we do as parents we teach them we train them we equip them and so the thing is is we've got to be willing to say hey listen you know I've got to teach you guys to where I'm not spoon feeding you every week we don't need a baby spoon for you you need to learn how to use the tools that God has given you to rightly divide the Word of God and how to feed on the Word of God and how to be changed and transformed by the Word of God. That's what our job is as pastors, right? It's not to feed you. I don't want you in a high chair for the rest of your life. I want you literally 
going, you know what, man, I want to move and I want to progress to the point of where I'm feeding myself. And here's the thing, then I learn to feed other young believers. And I teach them and I train them and I equip them. I'm, I'm making disciples of them. So we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. There's some smooth-talking guys out there. There's some smooth-talking ladies out there that sound like they go, you know, they, they know what it's about. Uh, I can remember years ago a, a young girl had wrote into this guy who was a really famous uh, teacher for, for young adults and, uh, or for students, actually. And uh, she said, hey, listen, she goes, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. My, my boyfriend is a Christian. And, uh, you know, and I feel called to the ministry. I feel like the Lord wants me to be a missionary, you know, and that's what I'm kind of working through. She said, but me and my, my boyfriend feel like it's okay for us to have sex outside of marriage because we are planning on getting married. And she goes, it just feels different. And, and the guy who's right, he said, listen, that may sound good, but that's a bunch of crap. He said, that is not the truth of God's word. You may feel that way, but I'm just telling you, that is not the truth of God's Word. God's Word says that you save that for marriage. And if you can't save yourself for marriage, you know, and you can't hold out until you're married, then go ahead and get married rather than burning with desire, right? And he, so he addresses it. But she's saying it in such a positive way that, you know, it's like, she's crazy, man. But the thing is, she's presenting it in this way. It sounds like it might be okay, and it's not. And so we need to know what the truth is. We have to know God's Word. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His, of his body, the church. So we've got to be willing to grow in it. So we know what it means to be like Jesus. Hopefully, you know, you're at that point where you have matured, you've grown up to the point of you know what it means to be like Jesus. You know what it means to forgive like Christ. And if you do, then hopefully, here's what I'm saying, you are forgiving people. You're not holding a grudge. You're not hating people. You're not walking through life bitter and angry towards other people because you, you don't have forgiveness for them. Because here's the thing. If you're not willing to forgive them, it's like drinking poison and hoping that they die. And you got to be willing to say, God, I want to forgive. I want to set myself free from the bitterness, the anger, and the rage. So we know what it means to live like Jesus. We know what it means to serve. We know what it means to, to wash people's feet. We know what it means to care for others. We know what it means to, to share with them. You know, and, and to offer hope. We know what that means. We know what it looks like. Here's another one. We know the Word of God. We spent time in the Word of God that we know what God's Word says. And when someone says something that doesn't line up with the Word of God, you know that. You don't have to go pull out your Bible. You've hit it in your heart, and you know that it's sin. You know that it's wrong, right? So that's part of growing up. That's part of maturity. And then here's another. We know what false teaching looks like. Let me tell you, there are a lot of guys that will stand on a platform in a church, on a pul behind a pulpit, and they will teach false teaching. It's happening all over our nation. It's happening all over the world right now. There are people that will literally, they'll take the Word of God and they'll twist it and they'll justify their sin and it becomes false teaching. And here's the thing, some people just eat it up like it's truth and it's not. And that's why we need to be mature enough to know what the truth of God's Word is. And go, you know what, that doesn't line up with the, with the Word of God. You know, you cannot, you cannot justify your sin that way. We know how to speak the truth in love. What does that mean? We speak the truth in love means, hey, you love someone enough to say, hey, listen, you're living in sin. Hey, man, you, you need to quit treating your spouse that way. And, but here's the thing. You have a relationship with them, hopefully, and you speak the truth in love. Say, hey, listen, I love you, but let me just say, let me, let me say this, and hopefully I'm saying this the right way. Hey, this is wrong, and we love someone enough to speak the truth in love. Someone says, hey, do you think I'm right? No, I don't, and let me tell you why. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so we're willing to speak the truth in love. We don't tell people what they want to hear. We tell them what they need to hear, but we do it because we love them, and we, and we come from a place of tenderness, not, con not condemnation where we're trying to belittle them or berate them. 
We're doing it, hey, man, from a brokenness. I'm teaching, I'm sharing with you from a place of brokenness. Dude, you're, you're destroying your marriage. Hey, you know, you're destroying your witness. We've got to be willing to speak the truth in love. And we need to know what that looks like. So here's, here's the last one. We're, we're, called, we're called to do what only we can do. And, and this was the passage that said in there. I love it. It says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly, right? As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So every one of you that's a believer in this room, whenever you use your spiritual gift, you're helping everybody. Look around one more time. Look to the people on the left and on the right. You're helping those people grow, and they need it, don't they, right? You go, hey, man, I'm helping them grow. I'm helping them mature. I'm helping them become more like Christ. If you're using your gift, if you're not using your gift, then you're not. Each part does its own special work. We're each unique. You know, I don't know if you guys realize this, but we all have a unique uh, fingerprint, right? Or thumbprint, whatever it might be. Our eye, you know, there's a retinal scan they can do that's unique unto me. Uh, this past Friday, Lori and I had an opportunity to go for uh, one of our close friends, uh, uh, his retirement from the Air Force. And uh, so we went to Redstone Arsenal. And so we're pulling up. And, uh, and so I've got my driver's license out to hand to the guy. He goes, he goes, you're good. And I'm like, well, I hadn't checked in yet. And he goes, oh, your, your, your screen, your picture's on here or whatever. So they had this facial recognition thing that came in that they knew who we were as soon as we pulled up. And he didn't even need my driver. Like, no, you're good. You're on the list or whatever. And we go in and, and, and there's a lot of high security there. And, but it was really cool going in, seeing all that they do. You know? and, and so the thing is, is, you know, we're unique. Our heart has a certain rhythm. I don't know if you guys know that. There's certain unique things about our body, our DNA. You know, I mean, you think about all the unique things that God did. And here's the thing. He knit you together, but he still made you unique. And so whenever you become a part of the body of Christ, it's not like you're trying to be like everybody else. You're trying to be like Jesus, but you're still unique. You're still special. And so God wants you to use those spe- that special work however God has created you. And so we're shaped for a special ministry, whatever that might be. And not everybody has to have a heart for missions. You know, you might say, well, wait a minute, Mike. What I mean by that is God may not call you to the mission field, but you are on mission. But your mission may be right here in the body of Christ. It may be right here in our community doing something. You're still on mission, but it's not the mission field that we think of when we say, hey, we're going to go across the ocean. We're going to go across the pond. You say, hey, you know what? What does God call me to right here? When Laurie and I were looking at getting married, Laurie was wrestling with a call to Africa and um, I, I said, hey, I feel called to the local church. And, and so we had to work through it. We took two weeks to pray about it. We were engaged at that point. We had, to, we had to pray about, hey, are we getting married? Because I felt called to the local church. She felt called to missions. And the good thing is God worked it out after we got married. Or when we got married, we just felt like, you know what? We'll be a part of missions. And we have. And like even today, back here in the back, we've got our Compassion International. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but, you know, there's kids that are trapped in poverty. That man, they, they don't have su- sufficient food. They may not have a Bible. And whenever you take one of those kids and you sponsor one of those kids, what you're doing is you're helping set that kid free, you know, from poverty. You're putting food in their belly. You're getting them the right medicines. You got a church by, close by that's going to share the gospel with them. And you're helping literally to, to help that kid experience all that God wants them to experience. There's a video at the end of the service that will show that you can check it out. And maybe that's where, what you're shaped for. So here's some next steps. And uh, we'll run through these pretty quick. To put my faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, that's always step number one. If you're watching today or you're here in the room, you've never put your faith in Christ. That is the most important one. Because here's the thing again, you don't have a spiritual gift if you've never put your faith in Christ. You don't have the spirit of the living God living within you. You don't have the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. You know, he may be drawing you, but he's not working through you yet. And so that's, that's step number one. Here's number two, discover how God has shaped me for ministry. Figure it out. And here's the thing. 
Don't just learn it. Apply it. Do it. Live it out. You know, step up. Get involved. Make a difference. And here's the last one. To trust God to use me to make a difference for his kingdom. See, some of you, you tell people that you trust Jesus for salvation. You believe that Jesus saved your soul, but you don't trust God to use you to help build up the body of Christ. So what you're doing is you're listening to the enemy over the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, over the God of the universe, who says, I've made you special, and I want to use you to do great and mighty things. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. What is it that God is calling you to right now? What has he already called you to? It's just time to respond. Maybe for some of you, he's calling you to salvation. Maybe you're watching online and you go, Mike, I've never put my faith in Christ for salvation. Or maybe you're here in the room and that's you. Let me just tell you this. What you do is you say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Jesus, I'm coming to you today. I am broken. I am in need of a Savior. I need you to save my soul. I need you to change me. I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And so, Jesus, will you come into my life? I I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I have messed up. I have blown it. I confess that to you. That's agreeing with God. I want to repent of that. I want to quit living that way, and I want to start living for you. Repentance is changing the way you think about sin and changing the way you think about Jesus. And here's the thing. It brings about a change in your life. And so, Jesus, will you come into my life to be my leader and to be my Lord? And his answer is yes. You wonder how you're saved? It's by faith in what Jesus did on the cross and through the power of the resurrection. It's by faith in what Jesus has done that saves our soul. But there's some of you in this room that you already know Jesus. And some of you already know that God has shaped you for ministry. But you're still holding out. You're still holding back. And he's calling you to step up. He's calling you to trust him. Last week, we had cards that are in your seats this week. Maybe he's calling you to serve in one of the three services that we're going to at the the beginning of the next month. Maybe you need to take that card and fill it out and walk it down and lay it on the altar. But he's calling you because he trusts you with his ministry and his mission. The question is, is, do you trust him to use you? Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I'm humbled that you would use me. None of us feel worthy. But God, we're blown away that you would trust us with your mission, with your message. God, that you would trust us for your purposes and your plans. So God, I pray that you would move in this place right now, that we would step forward, we would step up, and we would trust you with whatever you are calling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All across the room, if you would stand, you respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. Prayer team's here at the front. If it, maybe you need to take that card and fill it out. You can lay it on the altar. But you just respond to God's calling.